Okay, so back to the question. What's uh, one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen or experienced? What do you guys think here in person? The birth of a baby. Like a few minutes after. <laughs> what else? Yeah. Pennsylvania Wilds. Yeah, just beautiful. Uh, what else? Fall in northern Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get the leaf peepers up here. New York, we call them leaf peepers, which always sounded really questionable. <laughs> what else? Mm. Death of a believer, ready to go home. Yeah. No, that's true. There, there is a peace. We, it's not that we don't mourn, but we don't mourn as the rest of the world mourns because we know where they're going and we know that we'll see them again. I, in fact, I'd heard uh, two commentators, they were talking, like, oh, I hadn't talked to you uh, since you lost your, your wife. And, uh, you know, my condolences for losing your wife. And he said, she's not lost. I know where she is. And I will see her one day. Oof. All right, sermon's over. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> what else? What, what's, what other things? Specific things? Yeah, a clear, starry sky. That's harder to say. You said it perfectly. I couldn't. Uh, yeah, isn't that... And, and it's... And, in the middle of winter, it's more clear uh, because you know the cold and the particles are smaller and everything. So yay, we live in the perfect place right now <laughs> in zero degree weather uh, to experience that. But yeah, it's it's breathtaking. What else? Oh wow, it's like God's sculpture garden over there in Arizona. Awesome, wonderful. Uh, let's see if anyone has experienced any beauty online here. Let's see. Tori says the day my son was born. Amen. Jane says, Jack's ultrasound. Misty says, birth of my first grandson, celebration of life for a beautiful Christian woman. Mom and Dad says, uh, hearing a child laugh who's been very sick. Mom says, uh, sun rises and sun sets. Yeah, really. I mean, it's unreal. And uh, Maverick says, most beautiful thing I've experienced was the birth of my son, 100%. Was up for something like 30 hours when he finally came into this world. Heart emoji. Yeah. And he says, seeing my wife on our wedding day was also uh, beautiful also. The glow she had was amazing. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and there's, there, there's so many things that, that we could go on and on about. That's what we are looking for. That's what we are striving for. We want to experience beauty in our lives. And in fact, I think one of the things, and we've talked about this before as we've preached through uh, different texts, but, but I think we need to foster beauty in our lives. And, and that's what we need to, to like look out and seek and focus on. And we far too often don't focus on beauty in our lives. But the reality is, is that that's not most of life, is it? right? Some of you are like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's so hard to come up with something, right? Because like, let, we live in a fallen world, and it's messed up with sin. Everything has been affected by sin, including nature, and things are not the way they're supposed to be. And in fact, most of our days are not filled with beauty and filled with God's glory and, and filled with His majesty and His power. And we're just in the dumps most days. And it's like, oh, I got to get up and do this again. Right, and then you get through the day, just enough energy to crawl into bed, fall asleep, and oh, I got to do this again, right? And it's like, how many more tragedies? How many more difficulties? How many more frustrations can life throw at me? And as believers, we look at our lives sometimes, often, and I can be cynical, as you guys know. I've been here ten years. I can be pretty cynical, and things often go from bad to worse. 
right? In fact, I learned a phrase up here in northern Michigan, bad things come in threes. I mean, that's a little superstitious, but but every, every time something bad happens, they're all like, oh, bad things happen in threes. Like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on? I'm like, man, this happened and this happened. I'm like, wait a minute, something else is going to happen. Well, thanks for being optimistic and lifting my spirits, right? And we as Christians understand that God is sovereign. He's in control. So why does God let things go from bad to worse? Is it because he doesn't care? Is it because it doesn't matter that we don't matter to him? Why does God let things go from bad to worse? We wish we could just live in the beauty, but we don't get to do that. Why does God let things go from bad to worse? So we continue our narrative here. You remember that God appeared to Moses after, uh, after essentially living in exile for 40 years. M Moses tried to... Tr mount some sort of insurrection against, uh, against the Egyptians. He killed a taskmaster and buried him in the sand. He got caught. He had a run. He was a fugitive. He's been living out in the desert for 40 years. He's married. He's got at least two sons. God appears to him and says, I am going to work through you. He gives him some very specific details of what he's supposed to do. Go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go and perform these signs and wonders. Moses has all these excuses. So he says, all right, I'll send Aaron with you. But he says, go. And on the way down, he has, to, uh, he has problems with his family. God tells him that he needs to be part of the, the community of believers. And that's where we pick up the story when he goes to the community of believers. They hear what Moses and Aaron say about what the Lord said when he appeared to Moses. They believed and they worshiped Yahweh, the one true God. So we pick it up here in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, later, Moses and Aaron went in and said to Pharaoh, this is what Yahweh, the God of Israel, says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival for me in the wilderness. Okay, um, remember every time we see Lord all in caps in the Old Testament, that's a stand-in for Yahweh, the personal name of God in the Old Testament. But uh, So they go into Pharaoh, and they, they don't give us any details. How did they get there? Right? Because like, you can't just go to, like, go to the president right now. Like, I'm going to go talk to the president. Like, forget that. The governor. You know what? I'm going to go see the governor right now. So there was a process. Something must have happened to get these guys to have an audience. Right? But they go. And can you imagine how nerve-wracking this is for Moses and Aaron? I, I, it is incredibly hard to confront people who have a lot of power over your life and the life of people you love. Pharaoh has almost unlimited power over the people of Israel. He can do anything he wants. He's enslaved them. He has had their baby sons murdered. He can do anything. And so here they're going and they're, they're going to confront the most powerful man in the world at the time. <laughs> Just put yourself in their position. If you are um, having to confront your boss's boss over something that the business is doing, and what we're doing is immoral, what we're doing is dangerous, what we're doing is wrong, that's hard to do. That's scary to do. Because they can make your life miserable. They, they control your finances. It's hard. A lot of people don't do it. You have to go confront, um, I don't know, a principal or an administrator, right? That's hard. Because they can make your kid's life miserable, can't they? You've got to go confront someone who has power over your life. It's hard. 
And that's what they do. How does Pharaoh respond? Not well. Verse 2. But Pharaoh responded, Who is Yahweh that I should obey Him by letting Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. So, uh, so it doesn't work. Right? I don't think he, he said this. Like, oh, who is this God? I've never heard of this God before. Hmm. Right? He's, he's not saying it like that. I think he has heard of Israel's God. He says, he's nobody. Look at the gods we have. you got one God? We've got like 30. Our gods can beat up your gods. And you think you're so impressive? You think I care what your God thinks? Well, if your God really cared, then why did he let me enslave his people? Look, you people are disgusting. You're terrible. You're awful. I'm not going to let you go, though, because I need your slave labor. That's what Pharaoh says. Uh, the economist Tim Harford has a, a pretty good podcast. Uh, and uh, Tim Harford in the, the podcast, one of the episodes, he, uh, he said that there were, uh, he, he did a case study of all of these people who made uh, whistleblowing actions, right? Someone was doing something unsafe or illegal or Ponzi scheme and they blew the whistle and people got in trouble, and you know, some finances were saved, lives were saved, all this stuff. But, but the interesting thing was they have done all of these uh, follow-up interviews with the whistleblowers who saved lives, who, uh, who saved companies, who saved money, right? All the, they, they did follow-up, and the vast majority of them, the vast majority of them, the super majority of the whistleblowers said that they would never do it again. And if they could do it all over again, they wouldn't have done it in the first place. Because the cost was too high. Even though there's apparently legal protections for whistleblowers in most developed countries, they said, you know, it, it hurt their job, it hurt their prospects for finding other jobs, the, the relationships that it broke, the emotional turmoil it put them through and their families through, not worth it. They wouldn't do it again. So this is bad. Pharaoh doesn't seem to care. But cheer up. <clears throat> it gets worse. It goes from bad to worse. They answered. Moses and Aaron answered. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God or else he might strike us with plague or sword. Hmm. Okay, so... If you recall back when he was talking to uh, God and God told him exactly what to say and what to do, this was not exactly part of the script. He said the God of the Hebrews, that's kind of at this point in, in Israel's history, that's kind of the derogatory name for the Israelites, right? So he's already changing the script a little bit. That's, that's understandable. He says, please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. That's true. That's what God told him to say. And then he says, or else he may strike us with plague or sword. Did God say that? If you recall that, did God say, look, and if Pharaoh won't let you do this, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say that at all. <sighs> I mean, what's Moses doing? I, don't, I know what Moses, like, I guess what Moses is doing, because this is what I'm doing. I'm like trying to like, please, I'm like trying to like get you to like feel bad for me, right? So, so I'm like trying to manipulate the situation. So I'm like, it's not me. I don't really want this, but I don't want to, our God's going to kill us with a plague, please. He goes off script. 
Verse 4, the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you causing the people to neglect their work? Get to your labor. Pharaoh also said to them, look, the people of the land are so numerous, and you would stop them from their labor? That day, Pharaoh commanded the overseers of the people as well as their foremen, don't continue to supply the people with straw for making bricks as before. They must go and gather straw for themselves, but require the same quota of bricks from them as they were making before. Do not reduce it, for they are slackers. This is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Impose heavier work on the men. Then they will be occupied and it will not pay attention to their deceptive words. Okay, so things just went from bad to worse. Also, there's something else Moses didn't do. God told him, when you go to Moses, perform all the signs and wonders that I showed you to do. Oh, also, he said, when you go, bring the elders of Israel with you. He didn't do that, right? So Moses goes in, and he, him and Aaron, we're going to talk, talk the Pharaoh into this, and they didn't. Things went from bad to worse. Have you ever made anything from bad to worse? I know I have doing some home improvement projects. Ooh, I'm going to fix this water heater myself, right? Oh, I need a new water heater because I broke it, <laughs> right? <laughs> going from bad to worse. Uh, you talk to almost any auto mechanic, right? And they talk about uh, not uh, fix-it-yourselfers, but break-it-yourselfers, right? People who worked on their cars to do it themselves, and now they have to bring it in, and it's even worse because they broke it even, even further. I've, I've done that before, making things worse than they actually were. That's what Moses and Aaron did here. Uh, but the reality is, is that sometimes you're just going through life and things just go from bad to worse and it's not really contingent on you or your activities. Right? You, um, you lose your job and then all of a sudden you get an unexpected bill that is astronomically high. Things go from bad to worse. I had a friend who, um, she got a diagnosis with a pretty aggressive form of cancer. And uh, out of nowhere, unexpectedly, and thought and said to others, well, you know, my husband and I will get through this. You know, we got a good, strong marriage. And basically came home and he left her. Things go from bad to worse. Why does God let things go from bad to worse? Is it because he doesn't care? sure that's what Moses is feeling right now. I'm sure you and I have felt that as things are going bad. So it's getting worse. And by the way, they need that straw, right? Because the straw, like they grind it up and that's what makes the bricks hard. Uh, that's what gives them their, their tensile strength. And, uh, and obviously they imported the straw for them to make these bricks, which was a horrible job brick making and smelting to begin with. So the overseers and foremen and by the, uh, of the people went out and said to them, this is what Pharaoh says, and they tell them what, what happens. These foremen are actually Israelite foremen, so in some way, shape, or form, they are complicit with the enemy, right? They're not the elders of Israel, but you know the enemy says, well, we'll give you a little bit of a cushier job if you inform on us and you force your own people to do this stuff. So they're not the most moral people in the world. They're really not. Verse tw 12 so the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The overseers insisted, finish your assigned work each day, just as you did when straw was provided. 
Then the Israelite foremen whom Pharaoh's slave drivers had set over the people were beaten and asked, why haven't you finished making your prescribed number of bricks yesterday or today as you did before? <sighs> so, there's no straw in the land. And they have to go and they have to find every little piece of stubble that they can find. They're running for it. And these foremen who are complicit with Egypt to some extent, they're now getting beaten because they can't meet their quotas. How hard would it be to find straw at this point? You don't have to imagine. Remember two years ago, almost to the day? How hard was it to find toilet paper? Right? Like, it's like, there's people online like, hey, this place has toilet paper. And it's like, shh, don't post that. Call your friends and family, right? Like, what are you, what are you posting out there online for? Um, it was just, uh, it was awful trying to find it. Now, imagine that if you couldn't find toilet paper anywhere, you would get beaten. I mean, that's their situation. It's horrendous. And, and you know, some of you guys who are smart like me, I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on Amazon and buy a bidet. <laughs> Those, they're sold out too. People were smarter than me, faster than me. Um, so not only are the Israelites getting beaten and having to now uh, do this horrible job and try and find straw, uh, even their overseers who are complicit are getting beaten. Why does God let things go from bad to worse? So the image that I think what happened here is the foreman who got beat for not meeting quotas. Uh, what, what, what happened? Why, why did this happen? And they're, oh, this guy Moses and Aaron, you know, they said, uh, yeah, you know that God we've heard about, Yahweh, that he appeared to them, and they went to Pharaoh, and now Pharaoh's angry. And the foreman like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Right? So they find Moses and Aaron, like, you wait out here. We'll go fix this got to be kidding me. Idiots. Verse 15. So the Israelite foreman went in and cried for help to Pharaoh. Why are you treating your servants this way? No straw has been given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. Look, your servants are being beaten, but it's your own people who are at fault. Right? Like, this is a supply chain issue. We do the worst part of the supply chain. You've got some people who are harvesting straw, and, you know, it's, harvesting straw is gross. I get it. You know, it's not as bad as smelting bricks. Um, it, it really isn't. So, it, like, so, you're supposed to bring the supply chain. We don't have a supply chain anymore. You've cut that off. It's, it's this fault. This is why we can't do this. Like, how are we supposed to, to make bricks if we don't have, have the, the items we need? And there's nowhere to get it. This is our, our fault. It's their fault. What does Pharaoh say? But he says, you are slackers. Slackers! That is why you're saying, let us go sacrifice to Yahweh. Now get to your work. No straw will be given to you, but you must produce the same quality of bricks. The Israelite foremen saw that they were in trouble when they were told, you cannot reduce your daily quota of bricks. Um... How de think about it for a moment. Um, someone like the absolute most immoral person you personally know, right? The most slimiest person that you wouldn't trust with a care package, right? Like that's how awful they are. I, just don't say it. Don't put it online. 
just get that person into your mind. Like, I wouldn't trust this person at all. And now think how desperate things are in your life that that is the one and only person that you can go to for help. That's the only person who has a chance of helping you out of your situation. Because that's what's happening here. These, these Israelite foremen, they were not seen as moral standards in, in Israel's community. They were seen as, as traitors. And you're choosing to beat us so that you don't get beaten as bad. And they're the ones, the only Israelites who have Pharaoh's ear. And you go with your hat in hand, groveling to that immoral, terrible, awful, evil person, I need help. I mean, you just like eat every ounce of your pride. And it's taken everything within you. How desperate you are to ask them for help. And they go, and they can't help you. Why does God let things go from bad to worse? Verse 20, when they left Pharaoh, they confronted Moses and Aaron. Right? So the foreman came out, who stood waiting to meet them. May the Lord take note of you and judge, they said to them, because you have made us reek to Pharaoh and his officials, putting a sword in their hand to kill us. Uh, so the foreman curse Moses. May God curse you for this. May, may he just absolutely may judge you, may he find you wanting and curse you and kill you. You have made our lives inexplicably worse. Right? Is there anything worse than slavery? Yes, there is worse slavery, which is what you've done. Couldn't you have just let things go? But you had to come up with this story, Moses. And, and, and you went in and you failed and then we could, it was so bad of a failure we couldn't even fix it. I mean, can you imagine what Moses is feeling right now? He tried to have a revolution uh, of some sort when he killed the Egyptian taskmaster who was beating his Israelite brother. And he failed. He went into exile for 40 years. And now, God tells him, hey, go. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to go. He goes and he's knocking, nervous, scared out of his mind, going to Pharaoh, and it didn't work. Now he's failed twice. And this is actually the second time that judgment has been talked from his brothers and sisters in Israel against him. <sighs> I mean, if you fail something twice, you're pretty much done, right? Like if you build up a small business right? And you, you make go at it and it's kind of risky because all small businesses are risky. And then you go bankrupt and you put your family through that whole thing. <sighs> and then after a time, you rebuild, 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 rebuild. And you go back, you start another small business, you go bankrupt a second time. Are you starting small businesses anymore? How's your wife or husband think about you starting a third small business? <sighs> no, you're getting a normal job. You're not doing the small business. You don't have the chops for it. You don't. Right? You think about our, our personal witness as Christians, right? You're like, oh man, especially when we first come to Christ or you know, as you become an adult, you're like, oh, I, I want everyone to get saved, right? So you share the gospel with someone and they just sh shut you down. You're like, ugh, right? Oh, okay, that was the one thing, right? You go share the gospel with someone else and man, they shut you down even harder. You're like, okay, no one says this out loud, but you're like, ah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I gotta rethink my strategy here. 
Uh, I think that's honestly why many people just give up on evangelism because it's like, man, too many doors slammed in our face. Um, you remember the parable of the sower, though, right? How many how many times did he have to sow a seed for for it to take root? It was it was only a twenty five percent success rate. Okay, so at least go four before you quit entirely. <laughs> but most of us, it's like twice. Right? I've got friends who uh, you know, they've got married and then marriage fell apart, divorce. Right? They get married again, marriage fell apart, divorce. They're like that's it. I'm done. Right? Like, I can't, I, can, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with them, with the whole world. Like, it's just, nope, no more. I'm out. I'm out. Now, the first time when Moses failed, he had himself to blame. Thought he could take on the world and uh, it didn't happen. But now, he's failed again. Who's he have to blame? Who? You all know the answer. You've all felt it. You don't want to say it out loud because it's the wrong answer. <laughs> Who is he going to blame? God! <laughs> you told me to come here! Look at him! <laughs> right? Come on. Like, your life is miserable. It's in the dumps. Your finances are garbage. Your health is garbage. Your loved one is dying. Your loved one died right? And, and, and you're looking around like, what's going on? You can't tell me that none of you haven't said, God, why are you doing this? That's what Moses does. So Moses, verse 22, Moses went back to Yahweh and said, Lord, why have you caused trouble for this people? And why did you ever send me? Ever since I went into Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for this people. And you haven't rescued your people at all. Don't tell me you haven't felt that way before. Do you ever get angry at God? I'll answer the question for you. The answer is yes. I know that you have. You've ever been disappointed with God? Why are you letting things go from bad to worse? You must not love me. You must not care. Or you must not even pay attention to me, God. Why are you letting things go from bad to worse? Moses is saying, I did what you asked me to do, and things are worse. I've experienced that, right? Finances in the toilet. Family tragedies. Get angry at God. I'm sure you get angry at God too. If your health fails, chronic health problems, loved one dies. What are you doing? Why does God let things go from bad to worse? Chapter 6, verse 1. But Yahweh replied to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of a strong hand, he will let them go. And because of a strong hand, he will drive them from his land. <laughs> God gets to the root of the problem right here. Here Moses went in imperfectly, probably the same as any of us would go in. All right, God told me to do this. I don't remember exactly the words that he said, but I'm going to try and do this. He does the thing. You know, me and Aaron, we got this. We can do this. He goes and he confronts Pharaoh, and it fails, and he tries to fix it, and it fails worse, and he has other people try to fix it, and it gets worse. And the Lord says to Moses, now you will see what I will do. God is telling Moses, 
okay, this is what happens when you try to do it under your own power, under your own strength, with your own abilities. Now you're going to see what I can do. Now you're going to see what happens when my power is used. You remember, Moses didn't, like, God gave him three miracles he could do right there for Pharaoh. Throw the staff down, turns into a snake, put your hand in, and it turns into leprosy. Put it back in, no leprosy, which it was impossible to you know, clear up leprosy back then or heal it. Uh, take a jar from the Nile, throw it out on the ground, it turns to blood. He didn't do any of that. And in fact, he didn't quite get the script right, which, you know, again, my memory, his memory, who knows. But God says to Moses, you've tried to do this on your terms. Look what happened. It failed. Now you will see what I can do. You've had your shot. Actually, you've had your two shots. They both failed miserably. Why does God let things go from bad to worse? God lets things go from bad to worse so that everyone can see his power so that everyone around us in the midst of our struggle in the midst of our mis misery in the midst of our difficulty everyone can see when god shows up that this was an act of god this was not an act of nathan it wasn't an act of darren it was an act of god he is the one who showed up he is the one who is powerful he is the one who is showing this beauty to us in the midst of this tragedy and we can know if you are followers of Jesus Christ, if you've trusted that Jesus has died for your sins and rose again, that He will work all the things, all of the difficulties for good and for His glory. That on the other side of the misery, on the other side of the pain, somewhere down the way, it might be a month, it might be a year, it might be a lifetime, it might be in the next life, but somewhere, if you have trusted in Jesus, this will all work out and it will all result in God's power, His glory, His beauty in your life. Just hold on. It's kind of like you see the Olympics, right? And they've got the, the ski jumps. And if you had a ski jump, right, and it was like three feet tall, it wouldn't be very impressive, would it? <laughs> Whoop. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> it's like watching kids, like, oh, good job. <laughs> watch me, watch me. Okay, no thanks. <laughs> no, like you see these things, and they're like feet and feet and meters, meters long, dozens of meters long. And they come, and they're like, <laughs> right? And they're going down, 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 down. And then they're like, Pow! they rock it up, and you're like, oh, right? It's just unreal. Like, can you even imagine doing that? I mean, we would all die. Every single one of us would die. None of us are so skilled that we would survive that. But, but it's kind of like that with, the, with the, the professional skier. The further down it goes, the further it launches them. The higher they go. I think that's the same with the Christian life is the more difficulty, the more tragedy, the more hardship that we face, the further we are launched into God's beauty. I think there's two reasons why things go from bad to worse. The, the first one is, as we saw today in this text, sometimes things go from bad to worse because we are relying on our own strength instead of God's strength, and God is saying, look, I'm not going to show up if you're not going to ask me for help. I'm not going to show up and bless your plans, okay? 
you need to get on board with my plans. And you need to do everything I've called you to do in my power, in my strength. Every day you need to say, I need your help. Please, I need to rely on you, Lord Jesus. Right? And then, then He empowers us. Then He shows us things. Because then we're doing it in His strength for His glory and for His purpose, not for my own selfish ends. And we saw that with Moses. Maybe it wasn't a selfish end, but, but with Moses, he's trying to do it under his own power. He's changing the script. He didn't bother to do the miracles. He's trying to do it under his own power, and things went from bad to worse, and God is showing him, no, now you get to see what I will do. This is what you can accomplish. Let's see what I can accomplish. I'll show you my power. Your power, not so much. The second thing is sometimes as Christians, God allows us to go through suffering because it's part of his plan. I'm not happy about it, <laughs> but it is. He will work all of those things together like a tapestry and weave them together ultimately for our good and for his glory. But do you realize for both of those scenarios, the end result is the same. God does both of those things so that everyone can see his power, right? So whether, whether you have been trying to do life and struggle through life under your own power, your own strength, and your own name, right? Get yourself up by your own bootstraps and, oh, I can do anything and, oh, I've got faith in myself, right? If you're trying to do that, um, God says, no, I'm not going to bless you. Things are going to go from bad to worse until you learn, as Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Or if you have been faithfully following him and asking to, to rely on his strength and energy and things are still going bad, God's saying, hold on, I've got a plan. And ultimately, he does it for the same reason so that everyone will see his power. Everyone will see his beauty. Everyone will see his glory. Yourself and those around you. You might be here saying like, well, wait a minute, but Moses had these miracles, right? I don't got a miracle. I can take a stick, throw it on the ground, doesn't turn into a snake <laughs> it just turns into a stick right when i did the first person it was great because i threw it on the ground and i go oh, right and there's some people like oh right and then and then when i picked up the stick again i was like and it turned back into a stick some of you were like oh right <laughs> it's so hard to stay in character <laughs> because it was like it didn't change it's just up to imagination Woo. Right? So some of you are like, I don't, have, I don't have a miracle, but look, you do. You have miracles that are readily available to you 24-7. There's a lot of them. We're just going to talk about two because we don't have time to keep going. You're welcome. Let's talk about two. Love and hope. Jesus said, commanded, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Which, let's be honest, everyone's like, oh, that sounds so nice. It's hard. It's not hard. It's impossible. You can't do it, especially with some of your enemies. You absolutely can't do it unless you rely on Jesus. Unless you rely on Him. You can't do it. And if you try to do it apart from Him, we know people like that who are like, love everybody. And you're like, I don't, I don't believe you. You're crazy. Right? You have to rely on Jesus. And when you do, the Holy Spirit fills you. He changes you. I mean, for crying out loud, He enables you to say things like, you know, I don't agree with you on face masks. You're totally wrong about vaccines. You're totally wrong about all of your politics. And I love you. And I want to see the best things happen in your life. That's a work of the Spirit. And I know that's, I sound so, so contrite, but oh my goodness, if the church could just get on board with that, right? During the last two years, we probably wouldn't be in the position we're at. 
God can change us. You can have the miracle of love that you can show to your enemies. It's incredible. Or not even to your enemies, the people that just annoy you. <laughs> it is a miracle, and it's more powerful than throwing a stick on the ground and turning it into a snake. Hooray, what's that going to do? Love changes people. And loving people in the name of Jesus changes them. The second one is hope. Drayton, go ahead and put up this, this text. In uh, Romans 8.18, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The glory, the beauty, the power of Jesus Christ. He says, no matter how bad things get here, they are nothing compared to how beautiful and glorious and powerful Jesus is. That's the hope that we should have in church. Again, if the church in America for the last two years could have grasped onto that, and as dark and as frustrating as things have been the last two years, if we could say, yeah, it's horrible, yeah, it's miserable, but I have hope that King Jesus will come and make all things right. Do you know what a testimony that would have been? Do you know what a testimony that will be if we start doing that now? But instead, what I've seen is largely the church whining about our rights. Oh, my rights. Oh, you're taking away my rights. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, gave up His rights as God and came down, took on human flesh, walked among us, and gave up His life for us. And you have been called to walk in the footsteps of your Master. If He gave up His rights, we can give up our rights and still be a hopeful people that no matter what happens out there with the government, with COVID-19, that King Jesus reigns. He is alive today. He is alive tomorrow. He is King now. And there is nothing that can happen apart from His will to me. If we could be those people of hope, if we could display that miracle, how people would be changed. It would change everything. But look, things go from bad to worse all the time. We're all going to have a hard week. We're all going to have a hard year. But that glory is coming. If you are in Christ Jesus, that beauty is coming. The beauty that you talked about. I mean, think about the beauty of, of, of a child. Think about the, the beauty of, of the, the rock formations, of, of that idyllic landscape. Those are a shadow of the beauty of Christ. All the most beautiful things you have ever experienced are nothing compared to the beauty of Christ. Be faithful to Him. In the meantime, can you wait for it? Can you wait a month? Maybe a year? Maybe several years? Maybe in the life to come. Wait for it. It's worth it. God lets things go from bad to worse so that everyone can see His power. Perform the miracles God has given you. Let's pray. Father, we are exactly Moses. We try to do things under our own strength, and then we get angry at you for when things don't go right. Help us to learn that you are in control, that you are powerful, that 
you are greater than anything else we could pursue. I pray that everyone here that can hear my voice is a follower of Jesus Christ, and if they are not, that they will surrender their lives to him, believe that Jesus lived for them, died for their, their sins, and rose again. And that as they put their trust in him, that they will experience that new life, the forgiveness of sins, the redemption of their souls, reconciliation to you, Father God. And for those of us who are believers, Father, I pray, I pray that in this broken, sorrow-filled life, that we will be filled with the love of Christ, with the hope that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we might take that love, we might take that hope, and share it with the world that so desperately needs it. May that be our focus. May that be our call. May that be our desire. And even when we have to confront, even when we have to disagree, may the love of Christ, may the hope of Christ pour out of us so that people will know that there is a God in heaven who changes hearts. Father, help us to wait for it. Help us to wait faithfully for that day when Your power or Your glory or Your beauty is seen by all. And we pray that many sons and daughters will come into Your kingdom as a result. May we be found faithful to You as we rely on Your strength in Your name for Your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.